Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come and in another striking moment of reality that Seth and I are both very, very old, Skip Prosser's son is now the West Carolina coach. Ooh. Jeff Capel, Jeff Capel is now the coach of Pittsburgh. And Chris Mack, Chris Mack? Yeah, it's Chris Mack. Yep. Is now the coach of Louisville, replacing Scott Pageant, who is 33 years old. So, again, we are incredibly old. And the more and more we think about this, the more and more that the rookies that are playing in the NCAA, sorry, the rookies that are playing in Major League Baseball starting this year at age 21 were not even born when we graduated college. Yep. That is now occurring. So, on that beautiful note, on that humbling note, on that concept that Syracuse is now out of the tournament and I can now begin my offseason the same way Seth has for the last four weeks. Welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> uh, we start off on, uh, on quite the humbling note. Um, in my five minutes, first of all, good afternoon, everybody, on a somewhat nice, actually, night in Hoboken. The little dude is watching basketball because apparently that's all he does at this point. Um, and I am, you know, I have to start off with an apology to our friend, the Bate Hiles, <laughs> who <laughs> a little. Okay, little bit of a mistake. So for those of you who listened last week, um, where I congratulated him on his upcoming engagement, I probably should have waited until he actually got engaged. Um, as opposed to, you know, this is a guy who was talking about him getting engaged at my wedding, which is three years ago. And now I have a kid and expecting a second on the way. And, you know, he's still been chilling with the whole thing and been talking about it. So when he brought it up, I was so excited that I thought it would, and Sean didn't know. And I don't get to, Sean and Nabate go back for years as well. I don't get to, I, I don't get to, you know, surprise with too many things. And then I realized, wait a minute, he's not engaged. What if this doesn't go right? Or even worse, what if, some, <laughs> what if someone calls him? I didn't even... What if someone... Uh, I, yeah. What if someone calls yeah. him and says, hey, uh, you know, congrats on getting engaged. So I actually asked Randy Zellia, who still runs back sports page, to hold off posting a show for two days. And then called the Bate to apologize didn't get, a, you know, left a message, didn't explain, didn't elaborate. And then an hour later, I look on Facebook and he was engaged. So he actually gave me the wrong day of when he got engaged, which was probably just as well. So anyway, congratulations to Nabate and Dina. Um, and, uh, yeah, oh, and by couple. the way, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, she said yes. So on that note, congratulations. Like, you know, you, you kind of ruined the punchline here. She actually said yes to Nevada. 
So congratulations <laughs> to him. Congratulations. No, I mean, you just said, like, oh, I congratulated him on actually getting engaged when he hadn't even asked her yet. So to be fair, she did say yes. Yeah. So congratulations to the both of them. Um, much mazel, as they say in actually our faith, and um, to a wonderful life of the two of them. And uh, we'll see where that wedding's going to be, somewhere with a trumpet somewhere, uh, because you know he carries that around every time. Uh, I, I see Nabata every week at the gym. On Saturday mornings, he does some boxing after my yoga. Yeah, yeah. To all those people that are now doubting the fact that I do yoga. Today marked 100 days of yoga. Yeah, How do you feel days. after 100 days of yoga? My back's feeling a little better. I, will, I won't say it's 100% there, but you know what? I, I'll tell you one thing. I'm definitely better at it, and I definitely didn't give it enough credit when I started to realize how difficult some of this stuff is. And I know that Nabate's uh, now fiance, ding, 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 uh, Dina <laughs> does teach yoga, so uh, more power to her. But so I saw Nabate at the gym. He was running late, and, of course, he was carrying his trumpet with him. Because, you know, wherever <laughs> Nabate goes, a trumpet. His trumpet is Look, trumpet is you may off. find me at a gym, but you'll never find me with my trombone at the gym. So nobody it's, wants it's, it's, to hear about your rusty trombone. So anyway, so this weekend started off, unfortunately, with a little doom and gloom. And uh, Syracuse took their heavy hands and went home. And that's okay. You know what? It's surprisingly good season. And uh, last night was, of course, what you realized was going to happen after the end of this year. We already got a transfer. We already got a guy that said, I- I'm out of here. There's just a lot of really? doubt. We talked to- yeah, well, we, you know, you and I talk about our epilogue of our team seasons every time they get bounced. Syracuse has right. a plethora of talent coming in. They, they had, so they only went six or seven deep this year. If they had kept all of their talent – they could conceivably go an unheard of Jim Beheim ish 10 deep next year. And that's no joke. <laughs> and there's no way that any Jim Beheim team goes 10 deep. So, Matt Moyer, who gave his heart and soul this year to the, to the program, but still couldn't hit a jump shot if it was literally three, second, three feet from him, uh, transferred this year. Uh, announced his intention to transfer last night. So now we will only go at least nine deep, which is fun. But a good season, and Duke showed their medal, and then Grace okay. Allen showed his tears. And I'm sorry, not so sorry, that Grace Allen is no longer in the tournament. Well, and we'll start with that. First of all, I thought Syracuse put on a better performance in their loss to Duke than they did in their two wins. Um, they should Duke have won never the game. Really, they were right there. Duke never looked particularly comfortable. And, you know, except for like a one, three or four minute rush, you know, to start the first, to start the second half, at the end of, was it the end of the first half? Uh, Syracuse yeah. was right there and, and was right there in the last minute. And that's all you want to be with team. 
Now, we said it's not a particularly talented team, and it hasn't been for several years. But they do play that zone extremely well, and they play. And we look, we both thought that Duke was going to blow them out. Yep. And, you know, that's a, it's a reflection on, you know, take it for what it is. Syracuse played well. You know, there's, yeah. there's no, you know, they, they lost to a much more talented team, but they played well. So and, I really didn't think, I really didn't think I was going to be, have any sorrow after that game. I thought, you know what, no matter win, lose, or draw, either they lost, I've had a great season, great postseason, maybe not great season, and I can hang my hat on the fact that next year we're going to come back so far. But when they lost that game, that was, to me, a bitter pill to swallow. I didn't think I was going to feel that way. I didn't, see, I didn't feel that I was going to walk out of there and say, man, that's disappointing that they lost. I really didn't feel that way. And uh, Saturday, I did almost nothing. It was like my day of mourning. It it really was. I really thought that they had a shot to uh, shot during the game to win the game, and they played they played as well as they do. Beheim once again. Look for all the crap that you and I give Jim Beheim and have given him over the years. This may have been his best coaching job ever. He played with six guys for more than half the season and made it to a sweet 16. And that zone is the equalizer every single time. So well done. We can't wait till next year. And now we go on to root for Loyola. (laughs) It's kind of a, it's a very, actually I think it's a very good final four. I think you kind of look around, you know, Villanova has been the best, you know, has been pretty much the favorite the whole year. Kansas has really gone for a number one seed. has been very far under the radar. I thought they were brilliant against Duke. I thought, and I don't say this very often, I thought Mike Krzyzewski got outcoached. I thought Bill Self was able to get good, you know, they were, was, was able to get some good rotations, you know, kind of beat up the zone, have someone in the middle and get, get some, you know, have some getting, get some good shots off. They moved quickly around the zone. were able to beat it. I don't understand how a team that's built around two big guys got 18 shots while the three guards got 47. I don't get it. When Kansas has one big guy, Izabuki, who was A, coming off an injury, and B, was in foul trouble the whole game, and they couldn't take advantage of it. I mean, it still came – but the reality is it still came down to Grayson Allen, you know, having, hitting, missing a shot at the buzzer – that very well could have gone in two different ways, two different times. And this discussion is completely about how Bill Self can't win the big one. You know, you know, has lost six out of eight final, you know, final elite eight games. So yeah, how kind of how how subjective this game is. Um, well, the pendulum you know, the pendulum could certainly swing either way. I mean, as as you said, where do you judge it from? Is it an elite eight? Is it a Sweet Sixteen? Where is the pendulum? We saw a study by 538, which is a subsidiary of ESPN last, year, last week, where they based how well coaching goes based on the seeding. So if you're a two seed, you should win X amount of games in a tournament. If you're an 11 seed, you should win X amount of games in your tournament, and so on and so forth. And how the coaching ranks compared to that and – Believe it or not, the number, the the one and two coaches, as far as 
how well they do based on their seed in the tournament were two of the guys that you and I talk about all the time. One being Tom Izzo, and he was number two. And surprisingly, Jim Beheim was number one, coaching relative to their seed. And Roy Williams was in the bottom. And Bill Self was kind of in the middle. Bill Self doesn't make or break. He doesn't, he doesn't first of all, he almost never has a very low seed, so, so that's part of it. But right. one but one win, one loss, yeah, it could, it could turn on it, and the reputation can turn on it too. You don't hear Bill Self. Look, Bill Self's a great coach. You, I think we both acknowledge this, but you don't hear Bill Self in the pantheon with Krzyzewski, Beheim, uh, Tom Izzo. He's just not in – even Roy Williams, who I know you are definitely not so big of a fan, but you don't hear when they say the best coaches in the NCAA – Bill Self's name doesn't come up as often as you would think it should based on what Kansas has done in the last 14 years. I mean, they've won the Big 12 14 straight years. 14 years, yeah. Yeah. And maybe because they've had the underachieving in the tournament, whether it's the loss to Northern Iowa, uh, the one year that – whether it's losing to Syracuse in the national championship or losing to Maryland in the semi. Um, Although I don't think the Maryland game was quite as big an upset. And that's not, I'm not saying that in a mean way towards Cuse. just wasn't. But, you know, but I mean, if he, now they're going to be the underdog again against a Villanova team, which is probably more talented, but I'm not sure is a bad, I don't, I'm not sure this is a bad matchup for Kansas. They're both guard oriented. They both, if, if Uzubuki, I'm never sure if I pronounce it right, can stay out of foul trouble. Villanova's deeper up front with Goodman, who is fantastic. You know, it's not a terrible, you know, you're going to play. They're the two best teams left in this left. Um, I don't think there's much question about that, but Villanova is going to be the favorite. Kansas is probably the number two Michigan, who I had liked a lot more than you did um, is going to be favored over Loyola, but I wouldn't be, I don't think either of us would be shocked if Loyola won. You know, this is not a this has not been a team that looks like they've been phased at any point during this during this run. Well, let let's get one thing straight, and I think that this is pretty important. Nova keeps hitting three pointers at the clip that they've been hitting three pointers. Kansas doesn't have a shot of winning this game. Agreed. Neither Agreed. neither does anybody in the entire tournament. That that is number one, number two, and number three in the game plan for Kansas. And that's not to say that they can actually do anything about it. I mean, you could put a, fit, you could put a hand in your face, but if they keep shooting 60 65% from three, game's over before it even starts. So that's number one. Number two, I copped to having Michigan out in the first round. As I, as I sent you my bracket, my bracket <laughs> uh, this morning, or it was yesterday, it was un- when it I wrote, this may, <laughs> this may potentially be the worst bracket ever. I had two Sweet 16 teams. Two. Wow. Maybe three. Like it, it, like it, 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 and I, I don't think I had one Final 18. I don't know how. I had Villanova. Maybe I had so one did Final one, 18. But one I had final one 18. Final 18. One Final 18, yeah, which I, is... Which is unfathomable that I had one final eighteen. 
But well, to be fair, anyway. not, not too many people not too many people saw that vaunted Kansas State Loyola. Ooh, watch out, little man. No, no, no I, I get that, but I get that, but not too many people had Michigan out in the first round either. And I raised my hand no. to all you big blue people, and I copped to that. I still don't think they're a great team. Like I, 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 I will still throw that down. I, I, I don't believe they are a great team. And you're right. Could Loyola beat this team? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the national championship, in my opinion, is, is happening between Villanova and Kansas. Well, I mean, and that happens every once in a while in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we, I, remember, well, I remember one time it was supposed to happen was the, uh, the Houston, I guess it was Houston-Louisville in 83, or, or, or Georgetown-Houston in 85, I, forget, I guess, or Georgetown-Louisville in 85. Both years, the underdog won. So, you know, NC State in 83 and, of course, Nova in 85. Now, I did have Michigan in my final four. So I had a little bit more confidence in them. Now, the funny part is I completely agree with you. Other than the Texas A&M game, Michigan has been pretty much lousy in this tournament. They've been the beneficiary of a miracle shot to beat Houston. The Montana game I admittedly didn't see any of. And I think part of that is due to them take, getting a week and a half off from, from uh, what do you call it, from after, after the Big Ten tournament was a week early. Good shot, little man. And, of course, I have to give running commentary of my son's basketball shooting while we do this. And, you know, the, Florida State, <laughs> I mean, we've been watching Florida State for, 15, for how long? 15 years? It feels like under Leonard Hamilton. It's the same damn team every time. I mean – they're athletic. They, you know, this is not, I don't think this is one of their better ones. They got on a good run against Xavier and Xavier really got a man. They, there was a, some weird calls in that Xavier game against, uh, against the, the center. I forget the name. I forget the guy's name. Um, but Florida state was not a, was not a final four team by any stretch of the imagination. And can, I thought Michigan looked terrible against them. I thought, you know, it, it's it's one of those weird runs where you just get a good draw, and there's nothing. Look, you take just as we always say, you take advantage of what of the what the situation gives you. The situation avoided North Carolina, which would which could have been brutal. It avoided Gonzaga, which would have been a tough matchup. It gave you Florida State, athletic, good defensive team, but. Nothing, you know. This is a team that that lost what eleven games this eleven games in, this year in the this year. So you know, Michigan had a good run. You know, had a relatively smooth run in regards to the teams they played. Loyola, you know, beat a. You know, Loyola had an easier run. They beat. I mean, they did at least beat a three seed at the buzzer, and they you know they had three games that ended within four points. That ended. Two points are smaller, and then the Kansas State just got – they absolutely blew them out. You know, and you look at – Nova had an easy – had a relatively easy, easy run, and we thought they would, especially once Isaac Hoskett got hurt. And Kansas – well, Kansas beat Duke. <laughs> it was called what it was. You know, it was a three – we thought and, it was a three-team race. And we thought Kansas was a third. Do you know anyone who took Kansas to go to the Final Four? I don't. No. And, and the unfortunate thing is – not only do we have to watch Florida State play, but Dana Jacobson had to interview Leonard Hamilton after that game. 
Perfectly legitimate the, question. Oh, I was just going to say, in the the least amount of class I've ever seen from a coach, in what, look, when you watch the, for, for those that are unaware of what happened, um, Florida State was down four with 11 seconds left, and Michigan had the ball. And Dana Jacobs, throughout the, throughout the broadcast, the broadcasters were saying, why is Leonard Hamilton not fouling? There's 11 seconds left. This should happen. This should happen. This should happen. And all Leonard Hamilton did was let the team run out the clock. So Dana Jacobson, in the, in the most professional way that you could ask this question, at least to me, pretty much called him on it, said, guys, uh, Leonard, why did you not do that? And the look that Leonard Hamilton gave it her was one of the more incredulous looks I've, I've seen coming out of a coach, which is basically, why the F are you asking me this question? And the only reason, no, look, not the only reason, but, but I, I, I can't get too far down the wrong path. He actually answered her after she said, look, the announcers were asking the exact same question on the air. So that to me says one of two things. He actually woke up and understood that it was a legitimate question. Or he's sexist and only answered the question after the boys asked rather than Dana Jacobson. Dana Jacobson is a tremendous reporter and ridiculously knowledgeable. So I don't know what he was thinking, first of all, in the game by not fouling. But second of all, I don't know what he was thinking in not answering the question. And the offensive tone that he took actually took me back a couple. It took me back to, like, Lisa Olsen in the New England Patriots in, like, 1987. No no joke. When Zeke Moat wouldn't answer a question because he said, women don't belong in a locker room. I wonder if, if Leonard Hamilton would have answered that question had it been Jim Gregg. No, no. And it was, you know, he did apologize after the fact, but the problem is after the fact. I don't care. Yeah, that's not one of those after the fact kind of things. The, most, the only time I remember seeing a tournament game, seeing a response similar to that, was, again, a question that had to be asked, but it was a, I understood both sides, was after Kansas lost to Syracuse in the national title yep. game. And Bonnie Bernstein went up to Roy Williams and asked if he was go- she was going to take the North Carolina job. He had, he had to ask the question. He gave her a look of incredulity, of like just disgust. It's like, how am I supposed to answer this question? Like, I might, you know, the game ended 10 minutes ago. She still had to ask the question. But the reality is this was, this was, a legitimate question coming from a legitimate professional, he should have answered it. You know, very simply, he should have answered it. And, you know, there's nothing that can be done now. And I don't know why. Look, it's the, it's the final eight. What's the worst that happens? You lose by six. I know the spread was four right. and a half, but you take, you know, you, you go all out. Your team, you know. But hold on. But let, no, hold on. But uh, but I think you just said something that's actually really important. Why do we care what the spread is? 
<laughs> no, I know I'm the gamblers. Serious. Why? I know the gamblers do, but the point is, he certainly shouldn't know what the spread is or care <laughs> about the spread. I didn't say he knew. No, what I'm just know. saying you threw Calm you down. threw that you threw. No, no, I'm saying you threw that out. Look, we're gonna have we're gonna have legalized gambling in sports really soon, like within the next two to three years. And these are going to be questions that are asked more frequently. And the unfortunate part is they will be asked. If there was legalized gambling in every single state right now, you don't think that would come up? You don't think that would come up in conversation more than you just said it? Why didn't he foul? Well, the spread was four and a half. He was down four. I mean, that's a legitimate, that in its own right is a legitimate question. I don't think it has any merit. I don't think Leonard Hamilton knew the spread, cared about the spread or whatnot. But those types of questions, that is exactly what the NCAA is worried about when it comes to legalized gambling. Exactly what they're worried about. Yeah, of course. I completely agree. So who, so okay. what do you expect the final to be? Well, everything I say in this turn, I feel like Joe Lenardi. Everything I say in this <laughs> tournament has been wrong. So whatever I say can't be right. So look, I don't think anybody beats Villanova. I really don't. They've played, they've played out of this world. And because of that, I'm going to pick against them. Because I really hope that they lose. Because as I said before, I really hope that they lose anyway. So I'm going to go with the two underdogs. I'm going to go Kansas and Loyola. Because, again, I don't believe Michigan is that good. I think they have gotten a tremendous draw. They've come from an awful conference, an overrated conference this year. Look, no... no no offense to, meant to Maryland or any of the big blue contingent. I had somebody ask me the other day, what, hence they, they actually said this. Maybe you as a Big Ten proponent, at least proponent in that you are a fan of a team, not that you believe that they are very good this year. He said Penn State belonged in the, in the NCAA. He's still, he's still harping on me for this. And I said, why do you believe today they are any more worthy of being in the NCAA tournament than they were at the beginning of the tournament three weeks ago? He goes, they're the final four team in the Big Ten. Because of that, we played in the Big Ten, which immediately proves that this conference is much better than anybody thought. And I was like, you are full of crap, my friend. That doesn't prove you anything. Want my- you want my opinion on that or no? Yeah, I actually do. Like, does that prove Look, a damn hill of beans? Of course not. Look, I disagree with you on Michigan. Michigan has been a very good team a lot. Now, they have not been great in the tournament. But Michigan is a very good team. The, the Big Ten was very top-heavy. You had three really good teams. Now, and a fourth who was decent. Now, to be fair... Purdue was a Final Four threat before Isaac Haas got hurt. And you, no one's going to convince me differently. Now, they, would they have beaten Nova? I don't think so. But that's a, that would have been a really interesting matchup. Michigan State had, should have been better this year. But they were still 30-5. and five. 
Michigan, they, they never looked as good. They were never, the, the sum was never as good as the parts. Ohio State completely overachieved. Jakey, watch your head. And yeah, perfect. But, you know, other than Diab, they weren't a great team. And, you know, Michigan was really good. After that, everybody was about four levels below. Everyone from Penn State to Wisconsin to Maryland. I, I, I can't remember if there was only four teams that made, the big, that made the tournament, but all four of those teams were top five seeds, and they probably should have been. But I don't think there were any nine or ten seeds that made it from the Big Ten. I don't think there was anyone that was close. So, you know, you know maybe Nebraska was close. I forget. But the Big Ten was top-heavy but was poor in the middle and weak on the bottom. Now, if you're going to tell me that they should have made it over, over Arizona State, I could see the argument because, because the impact head was brutal. But they absolutely you – know, there's, there's no unequivocal deserving. You know, as much as I disagreed with certain teams getting in, the reality was – the teams that I thought should have made it were the, were the second-tier mid-majors, the St. Mary's, and the Middle Tennessee States. I don't think there were big – I don't want – you know, we talk about this every year. I don't want – you know, as great as A&M was in the tournament against North Carolina, you know, I don't really need to see the number seven team in the SEC. I would rather right, see the number enough. two team in the West Coast. Fair enough. Okay. So, so I have picked Loyola versus Villanova. And to throw crap to the wind, I'll just pick Loyola to win because I, I really want to see Sister Jean. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, considering I had Michigan in the Final Four, although I didn't have them going this far, I mean, I didn't have them winning this game, I am, you know, I'm going to go with Villanova over Michigan in the Final. It's a prove-me-wrong kind of thing. We, we only have an out. We're doing a 90-minute show, and we want because we 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 we're doing a baseball preview, and we have to touch on NFL free agency a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about the oh, trade yeah. last week with the Jets. Now the rumor being OBJ is on the block from the, from the Giants. I don't really believe it. I don't. Um, I think a John Mara comment was taken a little bit out of context. When you say, "Look, we were three and thirteen, you know, we can be three and thirteen without with anybody," <laughs> it doesn't mean they're looking to trade Beckham. Now, whether they do or they don't, I don't think they do. I don't particularly want them to, but I would understand the logic behind it if you can, because there's a lot of needs, and this is a team that I don't think, you know, obviously 2016 was a bit of a fluke, and 2017 was probably a bit of a fluke in the other direction, but. Dallas is going to be good, and Philly is going to be good. It's not a team that I see jumping to 11-5 and five next year. So, and if you need to re-sign either OBJ or Collins, you probably re-sign Collins. You know, it's – I don't know. But, I mean, that's really been – you know, I guess that's been the big news. Obviously, they're talking more about the whole um, – about what's a catch has now been been approved in a different has been has been approved and trans, changed a little bit. I want your thoughts actually on what uh, the Jets GM and I can never remember his name or I guess the owner Chris Johnson uh, came out with or whatever he whatever his position is. I don't know if it's actually owner. Um, 
in regards to the 15-yard PI instead of just instead of, instead of the spot foul, which I tend to agree with. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Well, okay. Before I get before I get to that, and we'll start our baseball preview in about ten minutes, ten fifteen minutes. What would you you said I can understand if the if the Giants traded ODB? Okay, I get that. What would you understand him him being traded for? That's the problem, and that's where I kind of get stuck. Is he's not going to get? I don't think they're going to get two first round picks for him. Because no he's coming off an injury, right? He's coming off an injury and going into a contract year. Now, obviously, anything would be predicated on a, on a, um, I'm probably signing a long-term extension. Good shot, little man. But um, I don't know. Is it a first and a second? A first and a, you're not going to give him up for anything less than a first and a third. I can't imagine. At that point, you'd then rather you're not take the chance. Then you're not making a trade. I don't. I don't do you think, think you'd even get that. I don't think. You'd what get do you think it. you'd get? I think you'd get. So let's understand. You, you're the, you're trading with a team that a has the cap room, which there are teams that have the cap room these days. But let's let, mm-hmm. let's put you in. I'm trying to think of a team that would be able to take him, and would want him. And would have cap room to do it. So, how many teams are we looking at? He's not go. I mean, let's go through these because I don't think there are many teams that can do it, and would want him. And I understand he's a top ten, top ten, uh, probably a top ten player. When it all comes down to it, he's not going to New England. Can we assume that? No. Right. In all yes. likelihood, he's not going to New England. He's not going to the Jets. Nope. In all likelihood, he's not, he's not going to Miami. Nope. So, and he's probably not going to Buffalo. Okay. I don't see him in Buffalo. So that so eliminates the AFC East. He's not going to Pittsburgh. No. He's not going to Cincinnati. He's not going to Cincinnati. He's not going to the Browns. Okay, so that leaves the Ravens as a possible team, which need a, need a wide receiver and – could probably fashion out some cap room, and he might be happy there. Now, whether John Harbaugh and Steve Biscotti would be happy with him is a different story. But, okay, let's leave the Ravens there. He's not going to play for Coughlin again in Jacksonville. No nope. chance. Not going to, Tennessee? They just got Corey Davis. So are they going to try and get ODB? I would say probably not. Indianapolis is an interesting mix. So let's throw Indianapolis into that mix to play with T.Y. Hilton. And he's not going to go to the Texans with, um, with their DeAndre ownership and, and DeAndre yeah. Hopkins. Okay. Kansas City just signed Sammy Watkins, so he's not going to Kansas City. Could he go to the Chargers? That's an interesting mix. Okay, so let's leave the Chargers open. He's not going to the Raiders unless they're trading Amari Cooper. And he's not going to the Broncos because the Broncos have Emmanuel Sanders, <laughs> Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas, who both make $11 million a year. Can we, agree, can we agree he's probably not going within the division? Can I just cross Agreed. out the NFC East? Yeah, cross out All right. the NFC East. Not going to the Vikings. He's, he might go to the Lions. Let's put the Lions in there. 
I can't see them trading him to the Packers, and I can't see him wanting to go to the Bears. And the Bears just signed Allen Robinson. The Saints don't have the cap room. The Panthers aren't going to take him. He's not going to Julio Jones, and he's not going to Mike Evans. Okay? Now we're going to the NFC West. The Rams? Well, let's throw another interesting personality into that locker room. So let's keep them, uh, now that they've gotten in Yamakut Sue. Yamakut Sue, yep. Right. So Seattle? Okay, possibly. That's interesting. But they're in a, but they're in a rebuild. Okay, they're in a rebuild and have been shedding salary. Arizona? Arizona is another interesting, but they don't have the cap room. But the fa- Fitzgerald would be able to mentor him? Okay, I, I can buy that. And San Francisco, I could definitely see going after. So we're at San Francisco, Arizona. So we've got seven teams. The, the Ram, right. Okay. So now, where are those teams in the draft? The Ravens are mid-tier, so say 10 to 15. Indianapolis is six. They're not giving up the sixth pick for ODB. That's not happening. The Chargers potentially. Okay, I can go with that. That's they're about mid-tier. Yeah, the Lions are in the top ten. Uh, they're, I think, eight or nine. They're not giving up that pick. The Rams, the Rams are a low pick. I could see the Rams doing something like that if they had the cap room. Arizona's not giving up the 12th pick for them. And Seattle's not giving no. up a first rounder either. And neither is San so Fran. Pretty- they're, not, they're not giving no. up top ten picks. No, but I could see giving up ten to fifteen. I agree they're okay, not giving so up the top look- 10. I agree. So you're looking at a top 10 to 15 pick, and they are also looking for the biggest contract, at least at least non-quarterback contract in the NFL. Well, and then you want awesome. more. Right. Well, the the other reality is you have you know some of these teams that you you know there you go exactly Jake some of these teams need you know they need that person because they're kind of like Detroit has been mediocre forever San Diego has been mediocre for the most part forever with no real share like what's going to bring a pizzazz to the team the question is if you can sign if San Diego can sign him long term he's in California. That kind of fits his personality. Um, I can, you know, a first and a third, a first and a fourth. Again, I again, yeah, everything's well, predicated here's, on the. Here's what I, here's what I see perhaps happening: the 2019 first round pick and the third round pick this year. Yeah, see, I think for the Giants, it's not worth it then, which is why I think I agree. Yeah. I agree, but. If you're for, but if he doesn't show up to camp, now many people have asked me because I am, I don't know, you can call it a capology nerd. What happens if he doesn't show up to camp? Look, ODB can actually stay away from OTAs because they're voluntary, which nobody views them as voluntary, but they are. He will not start to incur a fine until training camp. But those fines are $30,000 a day. 
So he can rack up almost a million dollars in fines against his $8 million salary right. if he but wants to show up day one. What typically happens, though? Eventually, all these penalties, yes, you can be fined $30,000 a day. And then when, they, when, he comes to, when he comes to camp or when he comes to the game, magically those fines disappear. They're not mandatory. So, True. You know, the fines don't, no, mean, the I, fines don't mean anything. Well, the question is, would they mean something if he doesn't re-sign a contract? Like for the, for the Giants, right? What, why would they care? Why would I mean? Yeah, you got a pissed off player, but you got a pissed off player anyway. If he shows up, I get what you're saying. I I don't think he gets traded, and I think you're overshooting if you believe you're getting a top 15 pick in this year's draft. I think the more comparable guys, the more comparable trades are a Brandon Marshall who got you two number twos, two two twos, two twos. Uh, a Percy yeah. Harvin, which got you a one and a one and a a four, which may have escalated next year to something else. But do you remember the last the last wide receiver that got two number ones and how that worked out? I'm assuming it was either Keyshawn. No, nope. I'm assuming it was Keyshawn. If not, is it Joey Galloway or Terry Glenn? It was Roy, one of those it guys? was Roy Williams. It was Roy Williams? Oh God! I, yeah, that was a disaster. Before that, it was it was Keyshawn, and before that, it was Joey Galloway. Keyshawn's the only one that worked out well. And none of those first-round picks were in the top ten for any of us. So, yeah, the, qu- I, the question I, I, is, Roy, but none of the guys that you mentioned were at the level of what Beckham is, to be fair. Brandon Marshall is a very different kind of wide receiver. You know, and he was very, he was probably a top five to 10 receiver. None of the other guys were. Keyshawn wasn't. I don't believe Terry Glenn was, or Joey Galloway was, although he had one great year. And Roy Williams had one, literally one great year. So really? I so I, what, hold on a second. Hold on a second. One great, okay. So Roy Williams, the year before he was traded, had 838 yards. And the year before that had 1,300 on 82 balls. So, I mean. Okay. Well, that's 1,300 yards on 82 catches is a very good year. 800 yards is not. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I, but they also were not in contract disputes the way that Beckham is either. And they weren't as flamboyant as Beckham is. Maybe Brandon Marshall was, which is why I, which is why I put Brandon Marshall in there. But Marshall was also, I just, if I, yeah, he's a possession guy. He's a possession guy. It's a different kind of yep. different, completely different kind of wideout. Yeah, he's Jarvis Landry. That's a good comp. That's a good comparison. Is Jarvis Landry? Okay, I, I get what you're saying. I don't think either one of us believes that he will get traded. As far as the pass interference rule is concerned, I believe that there was a actually a caveat. So the concept was that they would revert to the college rule, which means 15 yards for any pass interference, unless it was so overly, yes, I, I don't the remember above, the word, above and but pretty much, pretty much above and beyond. Yeah. So basically it was the same as what the personal foul was, uh, a face mask yeah. was, a couple, maybe 10 years ago now, 
where it's a generally a 15-yard penalty unless he absolutely pulled it with intent, and then it would be a longer penalty. Now, why do I think that this – I'm sorry, it was a five-yarder, and if he pulled it with intent, it was a personal foul. Why do I think this is ruled down? For the exact same reason that we have tried ruling down every single thing that has to do with a referee's concept of what a penalty is and what it isn't. We are trying to make, we being the public and the NFL, are trying to make the NFL an objective standard. We're trying to take the, 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 the opinion of the official out of the game, not put more into the game. If you have a standard concept of what a penalty is, it's a spot foul, you don't have a subjectivity of whether it was intentional or not, much the same way as that personal foul face mask was. So I don't know if it's the right rule or the wrong rule, but at least it's consistent. If it's, pers- if it's, a, if it's a pass interference, it's spot of the foul. There's no... There's no referee right. bias on or ref, referee yeah, subjectivity of the weather. Subjective, was, not subjective. So I agree with objective objectivity. I think it takes a little bit out of the referee. I'm okay with that. So I don't really have too much of an opinion. I think you would have actually more personal, fa- more pass interferences than you will less if you had that. I think more people would just Fight the fight the wide receivers and hope not to get a 15 yard penalty, knowing that. So, I'm not too. I'm, I don't really hate it all that much, staying the way it is. Um, we'll talk more about the catch rule in a. We well, we got like three months to talk about the revision <laughs> of the catch rule, of which we still won't understand, and nobody will really care, and everyone will definitely be disappointed with their team either getting a catch and a fumble or getting an incompletion because more, I believe that there will be more catches, but I totally believe that there will be more fumbles because there are less incompletions. You get one or the other. And I think you're going to get the the corollary, which is many more fumbles. But this week starts our baseball season. Woohoo! Yeah. Well, I'm not sure you're woohooing it other than the Bronx Bombers, are really the Bronx Bombers this year. I mean, we, this is not a, a New York-centric sports cast, and everybody knows I hate the Yankees almost as much as I hate the Rangers, not nearly as much as I hate the Patriots. They are, for all intents and purposes, them and the, and the Astros are, are leading in the – to, to, to start the year, they are the prohibitive favorites to me in the Major League Baseball. And they both play in the same league. Well, I, I'm not quite ready to go there yet. Um, I think they're, they're one of – I wouldn't – they are a favorite. I wouldn't call them a prohibitive one. Um, I don't have them going to the World Series. I – Still have some fear in regards to whether Severino can maintain can really be the legitimate ace. You know they have a lot of two and three pitchers. I'm not sure. You know if he steps up, then yeah, they probably are. Um, you know and they have problems with Greg Bird's going to be look. It's many, it's very small issues compared to where we've been the last year or two. 
you know, last year I didn't have them making the playoffs. You had them as a wild card. Um, two years ago, I don't think either of us had them going anywhere. That's right, ball. And, you know, you look at that. You look, look, they bring in Stanton. You have Stanton and Judge and Sanchez and Bird. I mean, it's a plus. They have a stacked, stacked farm system, a great relieving crew. And maybe that's the difference between Batances, uh, Chapman and Robertson, and uh, Tommy, uh, the other one, the name is escaping me. Um, you know, Tommy you really Khalil. Khalil. Exactly. You, know, you only have to go six, six innings at most. Um, they're really good. They're also really pretty damn young. And I'm curious to see how Judge is going to respond, you know, after what, what could only be considered probably the greatest rookie year since Fred Lynn. Or maybe Cal Ripken. I forget if Ripken was a rookie when he won the MVP in 83 or he was a second year. Um, second year. Okay. Actually, so it's, the, it's, the set, it's, it's probably the best rookie year since Ichiro, who won the MVP as well. Uh, so you have Ichiro and then Fred. Yeah, Lynn. but different, so kind, think, different kind of rookie. Different kind of rookie. Agreed. Agreed. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just calling it as I see him here. Okay. You know, I think they win the division. I think they're very, very good and very, very dangerous. I'm just not ready to. I'm not ready to make that. I'm not ready to get to crown them yet. Who are you ready to crown? Let's start from the top. Who are you ready to crown? Oh, you you want to go back to back to Fard? That's fine. That's fine. So so let's go into the AFC East. Uh, AFC AFC East. I'm still in football. I still am in football season. Yeah, seriously. All right. Let's go into the AL East. Do you have two teams in this division making the playoffs or three? Because I assume you have more than one. And who are they? Well, I have the Yankees winning the division over Boston. Boston is a wild card. Toronto is right kind of on the precipice. I haven't decided yet whether I'm going to have them making it as the second wild card or not. Uh, Tampa's in fourth and Baltimore is just a disaster. Waiting to happen. Baltimore made a good signing this week in getting Alex Alex Cobb. I I do like the signing. It will not prevent them from sixty million. Yeah, but did you see that almost forty percent of that is deferred? So basically, it's like a four year and like forty four million dollar in present day value, which is a tremendous signing if you're Baltimore for that for that franchise because they need they need some stability. Uh, we're, ladies and gentlemen, we're not an amateurizing here. I understand that that's an accountant, and I talk about contracts like they're nothing. Uh, deferred salary just means that present-day salary is less. That's it. So I will take the Yankees and Boston as well from the from the East. Um, I don't think the rest of the the division is much at all. Uh, I don't think I think Toronto went seventy-six and eighty-six next year, last year. I think they're just about a 500 team. I think Tampa, who went 80 and 82, is about a 500 team. And I think Baltimore, again, is about a 500 team. Maybe a couple of losses, maybe in the 70s, 75. All three of those teams could win as much as 82 and can lose as much as 75. But they're all the dumpers, dumpers, uh, dumpster fires. That's what we're looking at. Uh, the Yankees and Red Sox will finish at least 10 games above those teams. And the Yankees win the division. Boston comes in second. 
have to tell you, I, I don't like Boston. I just don't. I don't. I, uh, uh, I love Chris Sale. I really do. I think he's probably the best pitcher in the American League and has been that for a while. But that team, I mean, their pitching staff is, is, is Sale, Price, Porcello, I mean, and Drew Pomerantz. That's like not even spawn sane and pray for rain. That's just sail and pray for kale. I mean, and, and anything ever, else. On, I mean, nobody ever, nobody ever prays for kale. Fine. We're so sail and pray for hail. So fine. Sail <laughs> and pray for four way. days. Of, That's better. Sail and yeah. pray. <laughs> sail and pray for four days of hail. I mean, there you go. I mean, Porcello is went from rook went from Cy Young to a, to an ERA of almost five. David Price is earning thirty million dollars. By the way, he has an opt out next year. You think he'll take that? No. And <laughs> no. You have Drew, and you have Drew, and you have Drew Pomerantz, who yes is a solid pitcher, but is definitely not a number two. And they've no. traded away a lot of their farm system to get some of these guys in recent years. I won't. It's not bone dry, but they don't have the guy unless they want to trade a Jackie Bradley Jr. They don't have it. They have some question marks in – they have J.D. Martinez. Look, they'll be able to bash the crap out of the ball, but their defense is suspect. Dustin Pedroia is – I feel like he has more knee injuries than I do, and that's really hard. Like, I, I just don't even understand it. They're the second wild card team this year to me. I think, I think the Yankees run away. I really do. I think that the Red Sox come in – in second, but I think they come in like 10 games. I don't think it's close. I think the Yankees run away with this one. Interesting. Two or three years ago, we were talking about how the Red Sox were going to take over for the next five to seven years with all their rookie, with all their youngsters, Betts and Bradley and uh, Xavier um, Bogarts. Uh, Bogart and and the, the prospect, well, Andrew, I can never pronounce his last name. Um, Bertinelli. You know, it ha- Exactly. It has. It just hasn't panned out. And not that they're a bad team by any stretch of the imagine. They're solid, but none of these guys in you know have become superstars. And the difference is when you look at the Yankees. You now Stanton is pretty much a superstar. We don't judge was one last year whether he can continue this. Nobody knows. Um, Sanchez is fantastic. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a vicious, vicious. And I agree. The Yankees, I think, will win, should win the division relatively comfortably. Um, and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, Seth. I'm sorry. Hold, hold on. I wouldn't be surprised. And, the, and this, is, this, this is strange coming from, from a person. I wouldn't be surprised if the Red Sox don't make the playoffs. Like, to me, if they make the playoffs, they're squeaking in. They're, 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 not, they're not stepping forward and saying, I got it. They're not going to grab hold of that playoff spot until very late in the year if they do it all. So I wouldn't be surprised. If, and by the time we're done with this conversation, I may take them out. I may convince myself out of the Red Sox. So moving over to the, to the Central, look, I, I, as I said before, I think the Astro uh, – sorry, they're in the West. The Central – Cleveland, Cleveland is this is the worst division in the American League, which means one of two things: means either uh, it just it means you're going to have three teams that are going to get their crap beaten out of them all year, 
And if they get the crap beaten out of them all year, that means two teams, to me, are definitely in the playoffs. Cleveland makes the playoffs. They may win 100 games in that division. Last year, they won 102. I think they have a good chance of winning 100 again. And I think the Twins secure that playoff spot. Last year, they won 85 games. I think they win 90. They're a good team. They're a fundamentally sound team, and they have some pitching this year to back it up. From the start, Brian, Brian Buxton is coming back. Jose Barrios is pitching from the start. Mark them as, as wild card number one for me. So, yeah, as you said, the other three seem to be kind of useless. Cleveland's going to win 145 games. Um, they're going to win this division by 20. Uh, Minnesota is... As you said, we've been waiting for them. They've been an up-and-coming, up-and-coming, up-and-coming. And last year, they kind of came a little bit, uh, for lack of a better term. And Yeah, that's, that's a really lack of a better term, my friend. You should, you should come up yeah. with a better term. I'll do my best. Um, Thank you. They, yeah, they were – I still – you know, I guess you like the pitching better, more than I do. You know, Lance – there's no – no, you know, Lance Lynn is a nice pitcher, you know, Sano is really good. Buxton is good. Dozier was phenomenal last year. I think, as you said, out of default, you know, they're the number two of the other three. I don't even think really was much to discuss. Kansas City, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a long way down. But, you know, look, they made their run for the title. They got it. They made, you know, they made the World Series the year before that. This is, you knew this was coming. And it did. Well, this is what, um, when you have small t- when you have small market teams, this is what happens. So, yeah. I mean, you have you have teams that cannot afford the payroll, and when so they have. This is why minor leagues are so important. Everybody matured at the same time for the for the Royals. Every single person matured at the same time, which meant in the last two years, everybody became a free agent at the same time which means Kansas City couldn't keep them. And they, they had to trade Wade Davis. They had to let go of Greg Holland. They had to let go of um, Eric Hosmer. They had to trade away a bunch of other people. They'll trade away probably Kelvin, Kelvin Herrera in this year. This is why small market teams like the Twins need to pounce when they have a chance. And I know you just said you don't see an ace on this franchise. I'm telling you, Jose Barrios, I think Barrios he's great. They also have, he is that good. They also have Irvin Santana that when he's healthy, he's going to be out the first, I think, five weeks of the season because of a broken pinky. But when he's healthy, he's just as good as an ace. So I think, I think you're uh, underestimating the pitching a little bit. But in that division, you don't have to worry about it. So let's move on to the West where I think the, I think the, the Astros are far and beyond the best team in this league. Uh, they will definitely take the number one spot. And if the Angels could just get some pitching, they, they some healthy pitching. I mean, yeah. they have the horses. They just need to get some healthy pitching. They could make the playoffs. I don't like Seattle. I think Seattle has gotten very old very quick. And, uh, and then you have Oakland, who is still – I, I hate to say Oakland. this, but they're playing in the sewage. They're playing in the sewage, literally. So you actually forgot one team, 
And you haven't really mentioned your. Oh, oh what the about Rangers. the Rangers? The Rangers. Yeah, the Rangers. They're they're down there too. They got old really quick. Again, their yeah, pitching staff just got old. And Cole Hamels, while a great acquisition two years ago, is now a, a 500 or a little bit better than 500 pitcher. So no, I don't think they have any shot whatsoever. So this would be the only reason because. I think that the West is worse than the East. Fundamentally, I think that, that the bottom teams, the, again, you play, this, the, the, the leagues and the teams play unbalanced schedules. So you play, your own, you play your own division a lot more than you play anybody else. So if the Angels can get healthy, Jake's having right, a panic to, attack, ladies and gentlemen. I got to put him to bed, so you're going to have to hold for two minutes. Right. You're going to have to go on without me for two minutes. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, if the, if the Angels were able to stay healthy for the entire season, you're able to beat up on the lower teams, the Rangers, the, 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 Rangers, the Mariners, and the, and the Athletics. And then I think that the Angels could make the playoffs. Okay. Sorry, I, I just I've can't negotiated put it, with Jake to stay an extra five to ten minutes. I just, he, I just can't put Cole. that. I just can't put that down. So, so I'm going to stay with with the Red Sox as wild card team number two because I think that they will spend at the end to get a pitcher. But I got to tell you, that's the team I'm not too happy with right now. If I was going to put money on it, so I got, I got Red Sox as, as wild card two. Twins is wild card number one. I will take the the Astros as the number one seed overall. I will take Cleveland as number two, and the Yankees as number three. Uh, I will take the Angels. I'm going to hope that one of these pitchers, whether it's a Garrett Richards, man, I mean, as you said, the East is top, the American League is top heavy, but really, really. It is weak in the middle. And, you know, we, we don't know what we're getting in Otari. But I really don't want to pick the same five teams as you. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> that's fair. That's so, fair. Uh, so what we're going to do – so I am going to take the Angels very reticently. Um, you know, I have Cleveland 1, Houston 2, New York 3. So we both had we both have the Yankees facing Cleveland in the sec in the first round, which would be a tremendous series. Well, we had it last year as well. Actually, if I have Cleveland as one, why would why would I wouldn't Houston be? Oh no, I thought you. Had, Houston, I'm sorry. I yeah, you're right. Houston versus yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you had Cleveland as two. My bad. Yep. Okay. So moving on to the National League. And the National League East, I, I, again, I think the National League East is the best division in the, in the National League. I think the Mets, if they're healthy, can win 80 to 90 games. I think, look, the Marlins are the Marlins, and they're going to be awful. But I think the Phillies make a jump. I think the Phillies win 80 games as well. Last year they won 66. I think the Braves have one of the top prospects, the top prospect in baseball, and Ronald Acuna. They can win 80 games as well. You could have every team other than Miami at 500, which basically is a regurgitation of the AL East. However, I don't believe that the Mets make the playoffs. 
and the Nationals win this division. Do the Phillies do the Philly? I mean, the Philly Philly has been the trendy jump to the playoffs this year. Do you have no them in the chance. wild card? No chance. None whatsoever. Nope. None. Why don't you tell me what tell me what you really feel? Look, they won seventy six games last year. Sorry, they won sixty six games last year. To make the wild card, they would have to win eighty seven. Twenty it's a twenty game jump. To, yeah. Twenty game jump. No. Not not gonna happen. Look, they have a good offense. They have some good players in Scott Kingery, who I love. They have Ryan Hoskins moving to left field. Carlos Santana comes in. I, I still love the fact that there's a guy that plays baseball named Carlos Santana. But he plays first base <laughs> for them this year. Oh, I, look, they just got Jake Arrieta. They have Aaron Nola, who's going to be their, their, uh, their lead horse. But they still don't have the depth, and they still don't have the lineup. So, yeah, they can make a 10-game 10, 10 jump, maybe even a 15, maybe 15. So they get to 81 wins, like I said, a 500 team. But I still think that the Mets, if healthy, are the number two team with 84 to 85 wins. I think that the, that the Phillies are probably number two. The Braves are, are third. And then Miami is fourth. Uh, well, whatever, it's fifth. Do you think Atlanta has a chance to go 500 this year? I think every team outside Miami in this division has a chance to go 500. I think they are the rep. They replicate the AL East except they are just a couple of games less. Everybody's going to be tight except for Miami. Nationals run away. Probably 95 to 97 wins. You know what I find disappointing about this year in baseball? Going in, There's a lot there that you no... always find disappointing in baseball. Every year you find something disappointing in baseball. But the reality is there is not what every division – there's not one division anyone really thinks is going to be that close. There's a definitive leader in every division going in. And yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, and I agree with you, Washington is going to run away with it. The Mets will probably be second, Philly third, Atlanta fourth. And, you know, and Philly and Atlanta are coming up. Atlanta's got, you know, has a nice, has a good farm system. Phillies, you know, as you said, a lot of their young, their new young guys. You know, Hoskins was great last year. You know, Arietta is a lot of money, but I think the contract is a bit. It's it's a three or seventy five million, but I think there are some options on it. You would know better than I would. Um, but again, they're going to Washington should, and this is look. This is the year. It has to be the year for them. We don't. No one I was thinks. Just we don't, say no the one exact thinks, same thing. No one's going to say the exact same back. thing. Yep. So. Without Harper, you know, suddenly in 2019 this is a free for all. So this has to be the well, year for Washington. Hold on, hold on. To be fair, Harper is the best player on the team, but they also have one of the best prospects coming up and playing center field in Victor Robles. He's not a Brian Harper, Bryce Harper. But if they're 20 games above everybody else, does and Harper their staff really is very, win? very good? Right. So, so this is not the end all, be all year. No, now, granted, you may lose your best player, but right. But this is the you're right. This is the year they should win if they're going to win. Especially if let me put it this way, they should make the World Series. 
But I think I've predicted the Nationals in the World Series the last three years and have been wrong every single year. So who am I to say that? Okay, let's move to the, to the Central where I love the Cubs staff. The Cubs pitching staff, let's go through this. They lead off with Hugh Darvish. They then go to John Lester. They then go to Jose Quintana. Then to Kyle Hendricks, who led the league in, in earned run average two years ago as your number four. And then they swing. I forget who they're swinging with. It was Mike Montgomery, but he came out of this. So I forgot who their swing guy is. But their one through four is the best one through four in baseball by far. Not even, not even close. So their fifth starter, hold on, maybe I missed, is it, is it Chatwood? Yeah, their fifth starter is, is, is Tyler Chatwood, who throws 95 miles an hour. Now their bullpen is a little suspect, having lost Wade Davis, and now they're going to Brandon Morrow. But I don't think they're going to need it. They're going to bash their way to 100 wins. The Cubs are for real. And I love that stat. Absolutely. If I haven't mentioned that before a couple of times, I love the stat. Do you really love the staff? Well, I'd love the staff better if John Lester could throw at the first base. Other than that, I love the staff. He, he actually has started bouncing the ball to first base. No joke. It's like a chest pass. It's like a bounce pass. But anyway, yep, Cubs, Cubs number one. With a bullet. Now are you gonna. Have... Wow, Jake's right, not gotta, in a good mood. Have... Why don't you? Yeah, no, go put Jake. Do a good Jake down. Yeah. Okay. Go put him down. All right. So, while he puts Jake down for probably which will be the rest of the show, um, I have the Cubs one, the Brewers two, and last year they did make strides and they won eighty six games. But they have improved that team substantially. I, I like the Brewers. Cardinals three, Cincy four, and Pittsburgh has ended their run. Uh, this is what I was talking about, ladies and gentlemen, with regards to a small market team. Pittsburgh, okay. ha- Pittsburgh had their shot. We were talking about small market teams in Pittsburgh, and I have Pittsburgh bringing up the rear in the central. And like we were talking about with Kansas City, when you're a small market team, you have to go for it. And you really have to push for it when you have a shot, when you have a window. And the unfortunate thing for for Pirate fans is they never really did that. They They, they played their guys. Right, they played their guys. They got, like, mini acquisition here, mini acquisition there, but they never really went for it. And that's unfortunate because they're going to hit rock bottom this year. I have them last in the Central. I have Milwaukee number two, St. Louis number three, Cincy number four, and Pittsburgh number five. Yeah, I have, I'm switching Milwaukee and St. Louis, but I think it's a 50-50 proposition on that. Milwaukee is kind of the anomaly in regards to the small, to the small market teams where when they think they have a chance to make a run, you know, they, signed, they traded for Yelich. They signed Kane. You know, they're doing what they can. Um, St. Louis is always St. Louis. It's the, as you said, it's the Cubs division. And the other two teams are really kind of going for wild card at best. And Cincy, you know, the, the shame is, you know, with Cincy is, you know, Joey Votto's 
you know, Prime has just been a complete and utter waste. Unfortunate, but, but he doesn't want. Hold on, but the but the thing is, he doesn't want to leave. So you can call it a waste all you want. He's happy. So you can't really fault the, you can't really fault the the Reds for that. I mean, you can fault them for not putting a team around them, but they've explored trading Joey, Joey Votto. He doesn't want to go anywhere. So call it a waste all you want. He's a happy camper. I'd be happy earning twenty two million dollars a year too. Okay, fair enough. And and now the West, where I think we we both agree this is the Dodgers division to win or lose. And the rest of them is just a clump of crap. Unless Arizona gets some 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 uh some pump into their offense, they lost JD Martinez, they they replaced him with Jared Dyson, and they just lost Steven Swaza. I, I don't see them coming through. I think it's a crapshoot who's gonna come at two through five. But I'm gonna put the Rockies in because I, at least I know they can hit. They're going to be well, number two, Arizona three, San Diego four. And, yeah, San Francisco got McCutcheon, and they got um, Evan Longoria. But they They're didn't old. get they didn't get the two – well, you just, you just hit on it. They didn't get the 2008 McCutcheon and 2009 Longoria. They got the 2018 both of those guys. And – yeah, they're 25 and 85. Yeah, that's pretty good. But they're both going, well, at least McCutcheon's going from a park that he knew very well and he hit very well into a park that is really hard to hit. And Longoria is going from uh, a, a pretty much a park you could smack the ball out of to, again, a park that's very hard to hit. I think you're going to see McCutcheon, his defensive fallacies, his speed lost, He's going to have a really hard time playing the outfield in San Francisco. So I have Colorado going number two, although I really don't like any of those. And if you wanted to try and convince me that the Mets could be the second wild card here, I really wouldn't argue with you. If they stay healthy, look, you and I have discussed this over and over in the last three years. They, their pitching staff stays healthy. They're in the wild card. I just have absolutely no belief that their pitching staff will stay healthy. No, I agree. And, I mean, I guess the question being, San Francisco brought in these players to make a, I mean, to make it seems like a one last run. But yep. you look, I mean, they're pitching, you know, they're pitching staff. You have Samarja and you have Cueto. Baumgartner is now out for six to eight weeks. There is talent there. Right. But I have no idea how to gauge it, to be perfectly honest. Well, I think the way to gauge, I think the way to gauge San Francisco is if they all stay healthy, every single one of them, and they have good years, not great years, because none of them really are going to have great years, and that includes Hunter Pence, that includes Buster Posey, that includes Brandon Belt, that includes Brandon Crawford, Longoria, and McCutcheon, they'll make the wild card, but they are an overpaid older group. So if one of these guys goes down or two of these guys go down, specifically Samarja, Baumgartner, Melatonin, their closer, sorry, Melatonin, their closer, and Cueto, they could lose 100 games easily if everything falls wrong. So everything's got to really fall right for that team, and they can make the wild card. I just, look, they're all over the age of 30. 
And being over the age of 40, I know how that feels. I can't imagine playing baseball 162 games a year. I can't either. Although I'd like to try. So uh, uh, you could easily convince me that the Mets could be the second wild card, but I have no faith in their health. So I have number one being the Cubs, number two being the Dodgers, number three being the Nationals, number four being Milwaukee, and number five being Colorado. And it's unfortunate because at this point I wish number four was Colorado because home games in October could be snowy games in October in Colorado. And, again, it would prove how stupid it is to have so many wild card games in the month of October. But, anyway, that's just a personal opinion. So – I have a, I have Washington one, the Dodgers two, the Cubs three, St. Louis four, and Milwaukee five. So you have two out of the Central. Okay. Yep. So so and I have I, so I, let's go. To the, sorry, go ahead. No, the Mets. I agree are well, right I, there. Healthy. Yeah. And you know whether in Colorado could you know or Arizona. Could very well be right there if Arizona can recover from Martinez and if Colorado's pitching can can hold up behind behind Bright behind uh, John Gray. So it's interesting because when you when you get to the wild cards, especially in the American League, so you have the Twins versus the Red Sox. In from what I have, the Twins versus the Red Sox in Minnesota. And if both teams have time, if you're able to throw Chris Sale against Jose Barrios in, game, in that one wild card game, I would take Sale 99 out of 100 times. Unfortunately, when it comes to wild cards, you're generally fighting to the very last game, so you're not really sure who you're going to have. So it's only a, 20, a 20, oh yeah, 20% chance that Chris Sale is going to pitch. So given that, I would take anybody else over – Anybody on the Twins over anybody else but Chris Sale, and I'll take the Twins to win the wild card. I will in the understand American League. I think I what the Red Sox over the Angels, and yes. considering I have great faith in any angel, singular Angel pitcher, it really is a top heavy. It's a top top heavy Major League Baseball right now. Um, I will go with the Sox. Okay, so that would leave me the Twins versus the Yankees. No, sorry, the Twins versus the Astros. And, you know, I hate it because I really want the Twins to win. I think everybody has has faith in the Twins and wants the Twins to win. But the Astros are that much better. So I'm going to take the Astros over the Twins. And then I'm going to take Cleveland over the Yankees. So you have so who do you have? Houston or Cleveland? So I have Cleveland. So I have Cleveland versus the versus the the, the Astros. Astros. And you know I'm going to take Cleveland. I have no idea why, but I'm going to take Cleveland uh, to go to the World Series. Well, so do, so am I. Unfortunately, um, I okay. have 
Cleveland over Boston, Yankees over Houston, and Cleveland over the Yankees. Okay. It'll be interesting. Any series with the Yankees will be very interesting if it's a longer series. Because, yes, the bullpen is there. You play back-to-back games, which means maybe the bullpen won't be able to be used. And number two, the starting pitching. As far as I'm concerned, they only have two starters this year. Because Tanaka's elbow is going to fall off at some point. And I bet it's this year. So, okay, let's go into the National League because we have 10 minutes left. So, excuse me. So, Milwaukee versus Colorado. In Milwaukee, I'll take Milwaukee. Dodgers versus Nationals. In Washington, I'm going to take the Nationals. So then I have the Cubs over Milwaukee. And I have the Nationals over the Dodgers. So I have the Cubs and Nationals. And every year I say this and every year I go down in flames, but I'll take the Nats over the Cubs. <laughs> well, I, 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 they're like the Flyers in, in, in the late 90s where you were just waiting, or the Capitals now, where you're just yep. waiting and waiting. Eventually it just gets tiring. I've taken, I think yep. I've taken Washington two of the last three years. Um. I believe I have them as a number one. I'll have them beating the wild card. I'll have the Cubs over the Dodgers and then the Cubs over the Nationals. Okay. So you have the Cubs over the Nationals. So I will have the – I will say Cleveland breaks their streak this year since 1954 and beats the Nats. And I I have Cleveland over the Cubs in the ultimate revenge game. Okay, so we have, what, eight minutes left. Who is your MVP in the American League? Francisco Lindor. Okay, hold on. And I will have Carlos Correa in a matter of uh, uh, shortstops. Your Cy Young Award winner. You still there? I'm here. I'm thinking. All right. I will take Corey Corey Kluber again. You're going to take him to win three? Kluber, yep. This would be be three in a row for him, right? No, I think it's two out of the last three. I think it's two out of the last three. I'm going to go with Chris Sale. You're rookie of the year, my friend. Ah. This is always fun. I like he, going to rookies a year. Even knowing, well, even knowing he certainly hasn't been overwhelming in preseason, I'm going to go with Atari. You mean Otani? Otani. Otani. Um, wow, rookies of the year. You know, there's really no good person here. Um, I'm going to take. You know, it's interesting. I'm going to take a guy that's probably not going to make the playoffs because I think rookie of the year is the one that nobody cares if they make the playoffs or not. I think, I think, I think Cy Young does. I think MVP does. 
but rookie of the year really doesn't matter. I don't think anybody cares. And I'm going to take Yoan Mankato from Chicago. Chicago. Yep. So I got Mankato. You got Otani. Okay. National League MVP. Who you got? Well, I can take the MVP first because we did it the other way. So for the MVP, I'll take. Uh, I'm gonna take Anthony Rend. I'm gonna take Anthony Rendon. Really? Yeah. Look at you. I'm gonna go a little. I'm gonna go a little out of the box, and I love Rendon. I've loved him for years. I think he's one of the more underrated players in the Major League Baseball. So I'm gonna take Anthony Rendon. I don't think I'm going to be right, by the way, but I'm going to take Anthony Rendon. I understand. Um, We got five minutes, bud. I know. I'm trying to take something a little bit out of the out of the Anthony Rendonish. You're thinking Anthony Rendonish? I I get it. It's too easy to go with Chris Bryant or Bryce Harper, so I'll go with Corey Seager. I like it. Okay, Corey Seager. You're welcome. Okay, uh, so Cy Young Award winner? I guess I, I as much as I want to go Strasburg, I think I kind of just have to keep I, – I, I don't know how you, you don't go Kershaw. You know, well, I'm not going either. I'm going, I'm going Max Scherzer. Oh. Who's won two out of the last three as well? I was well. gonna say he's won two of the last okay. three anyway. Yep. Rookie of the year. Uh, Ronald Acuna. Yep. You're you're not gonna get me to say anything different than that. Wow. I got Nat Nat Brave. Every the the A the NL uh, East takes it home, but you have Dodger Dodger Brave. So I guess it really depends on who's gonna be first. Okay. So. Pretty cool um, run by Loyola. I think that, that it does end this weekend before the national championship, even though I picked them in the national championship to win. But, look, is there any better story than Sister Jean? Like, just in general, is it, she's got the best winning percentage in March. I mean, overall, she, she has – they had her. They asked her a question. This was in uh, the Monday morning quarterback. I'm trying to get the actual answer to this. The the actual. Uh, what did you quote. What did you give up for Lent? Losing. Yeah. What did you give up for Lent? Losing. Yeah. And she has the best part about her, besides the fact that she has thoroughly embraced everything that's gone on with this. Mount, so Loyola asked her point blank, "Can we license your image?" because it's been such a great thing for the university. And she said, absolutely. And they said, what do you want? And she goes, absolutely nothing. She's like, a 98-year-old nun. What, do you, what, do, what does she need? <laughs> she still has heirs. She still has people. What heirs? I mean, the point is, she's a nun. She's got to have <laughs> nephews and nieces, nun. no? Nephews and nieces? Maybe? All right. Maybe. All right, you got a minute. 
You got a minute 36. Fine. All hail Sister Jean. A minute. You got 90 seconds. Go. Let's see if you can make it huh. under 90 seconds this time. Pretty easy, actually. Just my frustration that the biggest fight in boxing, it looks like, is not going to be made. Um, Canelo Alvarez, eh, hey, that would have been a, it would have been a huge draw. Canelo Alvarez uh, caught for eating the Mexican street meat. <laughs> Maybe is going to probably be facing. Yep, this happens with a lot of Mexican fighters where there is something called clebuzine, and it's it's in Mexican beef. And a no, lot of you Mexican got like forty five seconds. Continue yeah, talking. That's fine. Because that's ridiculous. Have been caught. Okay. No, have been, have, there's something in it which is illegal according to the world box, according to boxing drug standards. So now there is a very good chance he's going to be suspended for six months, and the fight will have to be post either canceled or postponed. And for boxing, which has had a really good fifteen months, you know, it, it's 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 a true shame and. Hopefully that hopefully it's somehow remedied. The fight goes on, but I'm not holding my breath. And another black uh, eye on the sport of Kings. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks you all for joining. We'll talk to you next week. Seth Kamen, Sean Palmer, and no to the wise, don't eat the street meat. Have a good week, everybody. See ya.